Hello and welcome to Unmuted Unmastered. I'm Will and this is the internet's most divine music podcast. On the show this week, I'm joined by James. Hello. And Elle. Hiya. In this episode, we're going to be reviewing the new Pink Panther S album. We've got the upcoming releases you need to know about. But first, the news. James, what have you got for us this week? Well, this week, people's um, Spotify raps and what's it called? Apple Music replay. And I'm sure there's a Deezer thing or other things out there. Um, they're all coming out, um, which also means we get uh, notifications on how artists are doing as well. So it probably isn't too much of a surprise, but Taylor Swift is uh, UK's most streamed artist of 2023. That goes for Spotify, Apple Music, and Deezer. Uh, she's also top global, top US. Um, but with top global, she's she's got 26.1 billion streams, uh, which is mad. Um, and she finally ends Bad Bunny's three-year streak of being top global. Um, for Apple Music, she set the record for the highest streams in any given year for any artist. Um, in Spotify, um, the top album was her album Midnight's, which actually came out October 2022. Um, and then she hasn't got any, none of the um, streaming services have any of her singles top, but she did come second on Apple Music with Antihero. Um, so yeah, well done Taylor Swift for finally getting number one, beating Bad Bunny. But yeah, uh, impressive, impressive year for her with all the the eras tour and everything like that. Yeah, if you're interested in the top stream songs of uh, for Spotify for the UK. Uh, Dave and Central C came first. Miley Cyrus with Flowers came second, and I think Flowers came yeah first in Apple Music and first in Deezer. So that that really did well. Um, Scissor Kill Bill, then Pink Panther Essence, Ice Spice, Boys Are Liar came fourth, which we'll get onto in a moment. And then and then Ray the um O seven O Shake, um, with Escapism came fifth. The cover art for that, for escapism, is I'm going to love you freaking me out. It's the inside of a mouth. But, like, you can see the teeth. It's, like, from the inside, but from, like, the back of the throat looking at... Uh, anyway, it's purely just because I Googled it. Um, but I feel quite unsettled by that. No comment on the song. I have no idea what the song is. <laughs> I wouldn't take any of these results with with too much seriousness because i've just looked at spotify's top podcast globally and we're nowhere in the top 25 there, there's something wrong ah, with that well there's something uh, wrong with the data yeah I think mm, exactly I, so I, yeah. i'm pretty sure i had they had a glitch <laughs> or something earlier in the week oh, yeah, that yeah. it's not actually so, so, it's not joe results. rogan at number one it, it's meant to be <laughs> us yeah um taylor i'm sorry you're probably not first <laughs> Um, we are <laughs> we're so popular they first in the song category as well but also top female artist of the year mm. and top male artist all of it every category exactly um best new reissue <laughs> is the podcast best playlist 
Oh uh, yeah, well done, Halo Swift. You, you've finally done it. Um, but I'm I'm sure you don't need uh even more praise. <laughs> you've got enough praise from your fans. <laughs> now she can finally feel some kind of success <laughs> after all these years. <laughs> yeah, she did. I mean, <laughs> finally. <laughs> she did also um thank the fans i know this because i have my spotify wrapped and my top artist was taylor because i am like every other person on the planet apparently um and there was like a little video from her and i was like oh that's so fun that they've started doing that for artists like they film a little like thanks for listening to me i just thought that was a nice it was a fun touch i enjoyed it thanks taylor thanks taylor yeah i guess it's not hugely surprising i mean she's been basically firing on all cylinders like her album Midnight's came out late last year, so probably still had a lot of streams this year. The Eras tour has been enormous and has just kept getting her coverage in the news. And then 1989 Taylor's version as well, which I think is one of her most beloved albums, kind of coming back and having another win. Like, and another if she one wasn't towards the top of this list, it'd be... So I just say another one of her re-recordings came out earlier in the year as well. So she's had like so mm. much come out to keep her at the top of the news cycle well done taylor but <laughs> you can't really feel accomplished until you get number one podcast like we have so if she gets know, a podcast get we're in trouble yeah but only oh, then. Yeah. <laughs> she's the only one who could dethrone she's, us in the music she's, category <laughs> she's the only potential compare we could ever have <laughs> i'm trying to think who, who'd like start the podcast with her i'm thinking about you know how after the rest is politics kind of launched, everyone's like, oh, we have to have like two two political figures. So now like George Osborne and Ed Balls have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who's <laughs> listening to this? <laughs> yeah, I wonder where they ranked. Right, let's get on to our review for this week. We're looking at Heaven Knows by Pink Panthress. Released on the 10th of November, 2023 on Warner. It's the UK artist's debut studio album. It's 13 tracks long and 35 minutes. What did we think of this album? Elle, would you like to kick us off? Yeah, I really liked this one. It, um, I, I only really know Pink Panthers for Boys A Liar. Um, so I kind of had like a very vague idea of what the album would be. And I would say it kind of matches that vibe, the vibe of that single really well. Um, but there were some kind of like fun bits thrown in that I just kind of really enjoyed that I think po because I hadn't gone in really kind of knowing much or expecting really anything just because I was like, I don't really know Pink Panthers that well. Um, it was nice to kind of have these little bits thrown in. So there were some really great features. Um, Clayla pops up. Love that. Love that callback from my girl. <laughs> um, there were also just, there were loads of really good like little earworms. Like I found myself after only listening to the album like once or twice, there were just like phrases that kept going around in my head. I think in part perhaps because she's established herself on TikTok. Maybe she's got that idea of like that catch from a pop song distilled into kind of a very concise format i think she she does that really well and yeah like i said there were a lot of earworms that just kept floating around in my head um lyrically i wouldn't say it's like the deepest thing in the world but i still really enjoyed it it's got this kind of emo-ish 
vibe to it. It's quite dramatic in places. It's, you know, talking about feelings and relationships, not necessarily in the deepest or most philosophical way, but I don't think that's like the vibe she was going for. I, I think there's still fun lyrics. There's there's some humour in the lyrics, which I really enjoyed as well. Um, it was just kind of nice to to pick up on those little bits. Um, I think overall, it's it's a really short album um, in the sense that it's only like, I think 35 minutes or around that mark. But also the songs themselves are really short. Pretty much all of them are under three minutes. And... I, I did enjoy that. Partly I liked kind of having these little like snapshots of what she's trying to capture within one song. And I felt that it then allowed her to do kind of try out different things because she'd kind of given herself lots of like bitty opportunities. But also there were some tracks where I was like, oh, I kind of want more. Even if it's just like another 30 seconds or something, I felt like there was room to grow or develop. Um, and I think also for a record that feels you know quite pop I was like oh it's kind of strange that there's not the classic three minute 30 you know track listing um not that that's like a bad thing necessarily I think there were just there were just some tracks where I was like oh I've I, I feel like I was kind of just getting into this or she was kind of just building to something and then the track ended um and I think also it meant that kind of listening to the album all the way through it almost at some times felt a bit kind of like boom 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 boom, boom like you were just jumping from track to track Whereas I think if there was perhaps slightly more variation in track length, you'd get perhaps more of a story going through or just kind of more variation when you're listening to it as an album all the way through. I think, you know, that will differ if you're listening to it, just kind of songs sporadically. Um, but yeah, it just kind of threw me off a, a little bit. But I think that's probably also because I'm used to albums that either have longer tracks overall or have more variation within. So maybe it's just that's the effect she was going for and it's just not the effect that I was wanting um but overall it's it's like a strong fun pop record um I I know I'm going to re-listen to it it's got like I said some really great features and it's a good one to kind of like stick on and, and jam to so yeah I enjoyed it James what did you think um yeah I'll be honest I, I was pretty disappointed with the album this week um I think it did have those hooks. It had plenty of hooks. You could you could tell that she has experience with, uh, yeah, getting stuff on TikTok and things like that. Um, and I think kind of overall the sounds were mostly fun. Um, I think that sound kind of stayed kind of uh the same throughout the album. I think it was pretty much one mood, which is kind of what I didn't like so much. Um. Like I, th I think the overall sound, overall sound was okay, but it just didn't go into too many different directions, um, which I guess isn't really what the album's trying to do. Um, but yeah, I just I wasn't really interested in what it was doing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I felt I felt like the album had a bit of hype around it or Pink Panther S has hype around it. I don't really her. I don't really know why. Um maybe it's just social media. I'm I'm scrolling on my phone too much. Um but yeah, it just felt like it's just another produced pop album to me. It doesn't really stand out from other albums. And the lyrics were just I don't know. They they didn't provide much for me. I don't think they um, 
I mean, they don't have to get too deep. They can be fun, and I think you can have you can have those tracks which just say how you feel generally. But a lot of the time, it did sound not immature, but just like just very surface level. I would say, um, and yeah, I just there. I just wanted something to grab onto, like. So there was something sonically which you're like, oh, that's interesting, but they faded away quickly. So I, I was hoping for those lyrics, but the lyrics never really came up. So yeah, for me, it's like it wasn't it wasn't an awful album, but it's just not something I'm going to, going to listen to again. And there's nothing that really sticks out to me. Yeah, I think the hype around Pink Panthers is that she she kind of came in as one of the early kind of big names in in what's kind of been this wave of jungle becoming more mainstream again. And that was kind of her big thing was blending in these jungle sounds and kind of with R&B and doing the pop thing all together. Um, and like artists like Near Archives and Perry and Tommy, they're all kind of getting bigger. And now that's kind of transitioning into her doing full full studio album what I quite liked about it was that she's blending in more elements of dance music and it feels kind of like she's looking broader. So she's not saying, you know, here, here's a 30 minute drum and bass set with, you know, her elements added in. She, she is kind of adding in house sounds and doing some kind of more hip hop type drums and, and other bits in there. It, it doesn't feel like a kind of compilation of tracks that she's written over the last few years it does feel like it all works together for me i can understand what you're saying james about it maybe emotionally being kind of in one place for a lot of it and not kind of veering off from that kind of vibe but for me as as someone who listens to a lot of dance music i was hearing lots of different influences and lots of different things so i felt like i was getting enough variation as as it was going through and i felt like i was sonically very well represented like particularly on the first half i'm picking out oh she's referencing like this very particular strain of drum and bass from this era and these kinds of artists and and for the different ones i really like that because it it felt like someone and and you know i feel like this kind of happens more as i'm getting older that i hear in artists artists who've grown grown up with the same stuff that i have and they're clearly referencing it and there's one one great moment on the back half that we, we can talk about uh, later. So sonically, I felt very re- well represented. I felt less so lyrically. And this is where I'd maybe side more with you, James, is that I, I, I felt, and I don't know if this is kind of preconceptions about her being maybe more like being a younger artist or being associated with kind of TikTok and this kind of new young scene. But I did get this sense listening to it, like a lot of the, some of the lyrics were just felt quite kind of like teen problemy, which is kind of fine on a, on a pop record, but it just didn't like really excite me, if that makes sense. It's just, they just felt a bit kind of, I'm having big relationship issues which I, I don't know, maybe it's the wrong time of year. It's too cold. I just can't be dealing with, <laughs> with stuff like that at the moment. It just didn't click for me in terms of the lyrics, really, for, for a lot of the, the album. Um, I, I think I enjoyed the back half of it less. 
I think that's partly due to my preferences. Like a lot of the drum and bass stuff is up front. I think the back half is kind of her experimenting more, going veering away from that. That's where obviously her big track, um, Boys a Liar Part Two comes in, which is is veering off from what she might be better known for. So yeah, I, I think it's still a good back half, but it didn't do quite as much for me. But overall, yeah, I think it's a really fun pop album. I'd probably recommend it to most people who might be into that kind of thing. I, I don't think, you know, it's not... It's not one of my favourite albums of all time straight away, you know, but it's a it's a fun record. I think it blends in different elements quite nicely. Can I talk about that track, actually, to, to kick us off on the back half? It's Blue, which I was thinking, oh, this feels really familiar. And there was like this one line, I was like, the, just the phrasing of that sounds familiar. And then I realized, oh, that it sounds like example. And then uh, when I was scrolling through the Wikipedia page to write the notes for the album, it's like, oh, it samples kickstarts. So, yeah, it's a very deliberate reference. And I feel like, you know, that that's such a, you know, 2010 track. It just, like even the, the reference brings you back to that time if you, if you were growing up or a teen in, in that era. Yeah, I would say I did not immediately pick up that example reference but i do get what you mean where there is that almost that sense of nostalgia with the influences in that i think i definitely was yeah perhaps not even like super consciously but just maybe like subconsciously just being like oh yeah no this reminds me of of things that i did listen to growing up um and i think maybe that's why i'm kind of that was more allowing of the lyrics being that kind of like teenage girl or you know you know young adult type themes and and, and narratives because I was like yeah because that's what I was feeling when I was listening to these kind of sounds and, and it all kind of like came as this like package um which I enjoyed and I think maybe there's that nostalgia hit where I was like, oh, yeah, no, I remember feeling like it would be the end of the world if this person, you know, didn't look at me or, or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, it's kind of nice to lean into that slight, like the dramatics of it. Um, it's not, it, it, I mean, you know, I, I love lyrics when I can overanalyze them and go too far. <laughs> um and this is not that, but sometimes I'm like, it's nice to just have something that feels like something that 16 year old me would have written down and been like, oh my God, my life is over. You know, like I think even on, um, I think it's on the opening track. Um, it has, uh, where is it? Yeah, uh, on the opening track, um, Another Life, there's the kind of implication that, um, because this like person is not responding to her or whatever that um they must have died so it's like guess you died today and I'm like yeah that kind of dramatics of like this person didn't text me back they must be dead <laughs> I was like I enjoyed that that kind of <laughs> the melodrama of it all um and I think that's what I really enjoyed about this record it, it kind of it leans into that it's not trying to stray away from that or or try and become this hugely like poetic or you know metaphorical thing um and I like to it kind of keeps it like that and it's got that kind of realism to it um and I think that it, in a way I'm like oh I'm glad that teen girls get that kind of music in the same way that I think of that of like Olivia Rodrigo stuff where I'm like oh I'm glad that teen girls today have those kind of 
albums because I remember when I was like a teenage girl I needed those kind of albums which is why I gravitated towards Taylor Swift and I'm like oh it's just nice that like other generations get those you know people um I just think it's yeah it's a nice like cyclical thing where like each generation will have those people that they reach to yeah you mentioned um another life there which I thought it was a great way to actually open the album um blue is we mentioned blue and i thought that was sort of catchy but i think uh the first track another life was actually it had some really catchy moments uh especially the line see you in another life it's just that's one of those earworms to get stuck in your head um really enjoyed the organ to start it um which turns into the symphoniness and had great atmosphere i thought this one was just really fun um it was catchy and it was fun um, and it had like a cool guitar solo-y thing at the end, which I wasn't expecting. And uh, I mean, opening the album like that, like I was, I was hoping that I would get more of that. But no, it it was catchy. I mean, all the tracks throughout were catchy, so I guess I did. <laughs> Speaking of good guitar moments, my favorite one in the albums on the aisle. I just love in that track, you get this really nice mm. chord timbre that comes in and there's like lots of other textures in there. That like I, I assume there's like a delay on it and there are other kind of synth elements that kind of make it sound really bouncy and energetic and like there's a lot going on. And then like almost right at the end of the track, it they just blend in this guitar that sounds like it's from like a French house track. It has that kind of uh, modulated delay kind of chorusy sound to it um that that like tracks from mojo would have in the 90s it it's kind of an odd combination but it it just works like you i wouldn't have thought to do it myself but it it comes together really nicely on the track yeah that i i like the aisle for that like funkier guitar element and then those disco hits i don't know what to call them but it's like you're hearing like that sounds disco inspired um and that, that was quite cool. It was an interesting combination, but yeah, it worked. Another track on the first half that I really want to bring attention to the sound of is True Romance. I think that that's another one that has a really good hook. But what I lo really love about the song is it kind of adds in this very specific strain of drum and bass to the sound. And it, it clearly shows that she knows what she's doing with it because it it's referencing kind of this kind of late noughties, early 2010s, like stadium drum and bass sound in like lots of different ways. Like it's it's not just, you know, I'm pulling this sound from one song. It It's like clearly she knows like which of these sounds fit together. It's the the way the big chords play in the chorus and kind of the, the it's not like exactly what would have been back then, but it has kind of elements of kind of a Brooks Brothers sound to it. It's the tonality of the drums sound very much like a lot of what hospital records were doing at the time. And then the synth sound that comes in like the post-chorus section is just like, it sounds like it's directly ripped from a song from that era. So it, it it's just, it's a perfect kind of homage to that era while also throwing in her own personality and her own kind of ideas and the R&B elements that she has in the other songs. It all comes together into into something that, for me, was like simultaneously very nostalgic and also really enjoyable, like in the moment. Yeah, I really liked this one again for that kind of nostalgia hit, and also because I felt that that really reflects 
the the kind of message of the song which is very much about kind of being a fan of an artist and you know desperately wanting them to notice you and being like you know those other fans aren't like me I'm different you know and that kind of thing which I was like oh it's just a fun concept to have in a song anyway um to kind of play on that relationship between an artist and a fan from a fan's perspective but singing as an artist I was like oh that's just it's just like a nice little thing happening there um but also yeah like you've kind of mentioned Will like all of those different kind of references felt very true to kind of that experience that she'd clearly had and I was like oh that's I felt that it just kind of all worked so neatly together where she's singing about kind of being this huge fan of these artists and she's then referencing very clearly all of these artists which then on re-listens to the whole album I then enjoyed that as well kind of having had that track almost as like a here's here's what my like top artists and sounds and all of that kind of you know that's what my top were when I was growing up and now it's kind of like on a realist and it was like oh where can I pick out those sounds on different tracks and I was like that's actually I, I really enjoyed doing that um and it is also like you said just a really enjoyable song to listen to anyway it's, it's a fun song it's again like catchy um and I just thought it was I think particularly because the album like we've kind of all kind of mentioned is lyrically not the most like I guess mature or kind of you know broad in terms of the ideas it's like a night it's kind of very much like almost teenage girl young adult girl whatever problems in a very kind of broad and maybe slightly generic sense of the word um I liked that this is one of the kind of quote-unquote problems she she chose to focus on rather than it just being like oh my god this person that I fancy doesn't like me back it's like also this person that I fancy happens to be you know a superstar <laughs> and they don't like me back but if they just got to know me then they would and I was like I, I kind of just liked that she was playing into those different aspects of the the dramatics of of being that age um I just think it's it's really fun yeah I think there are moments where she kind of breaks with what you might generically think of as kind of young adult issues like on the track the aisle she's kind of talking about there's quite a nice line where she i can't remember exactly now but it's like you're not stuck with me but you will be and it's talking about like like you're not tied to me yet but like the way this is going like things are going to continue and then you're not going to have other options you're not going to be able to kind of get out and and i thought that was quite an interesting kind of idea to inject it was just kind of the the kind of broader picture was kind of some stuff that I maybe didn't identify with as much but I thought there were like within that it wasn't like it wasn't just plain and generic she was approaching some of the things in in interesting ways like you're mentioning I mean we we, we've been talking about um the lyrics but I forgot to mention her vocals um just the vocal tone the vocal tone of her voice it's really soothing um I think especially for true romance actually I don't know it's just I mean, it's not, it's not like do something doing, it's not doing something like really soulful and like hitting those high notes, but it's just, just her natural tone. I guess she could have worked for it, but her natural tone is really, yeah, just soothing and easy to, easy to listen to. Yeah, I think that works really well on Mosquito, which is like this chilled out, 
DJ Markey inspired kind of drum and bass like chill tune um, where her voice just kind of like sits on top of the track and like floats really nicely and again has a really catchy hook to it. Yeah, that one has like an almost like Latin sound, like Latin dance sort of sound, um, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, that I mean that that's interesting that you can pick that out as well because I'm like, oh yeah, DJ Marky, it's like the Brazilian drum and bass scene from from the early noughties, and it it translates even to you know people who don't have that point of reference. <laughs> I love how specific you are with all of your references on this album. You're like, and this specific song um, from this subsection of this genre of this year of this month, I just I really like it. <laughs> I mentioned when I was talking about general thoughts about how she kind of plays with more than just drum and bass. And while I might not have very specific references to make about some of the songs, I did enjoy some of them. Um, I quite liked Ophelia. Is that how you pronounce it? I'm not sure. Ophelia. Oh, Ophelia. Ophelia. <laughs> yeah. Hard to read from this distance to my, <laughs> my laptop screen. Um, but I really liked that kind of big process break drum sound. It, kind of has like that hip-hop feel to it because it sounds like a, a breakbeat that's been processed and, and is kind of beefed up but also like the way it's been done kind of has this rock feel to it and then the other track on the the back half that i think has some interesting production is uh capable of love where it has this huge stadium sound like big like booming reverb the the drums sound enormous and it, it's going for a very kind of different thing where lots of the other tracks are you know, they're kind of, they've got a rolling beat and, and the chorus kind of ups the ante a bit, but then it, it kind of is generally kind of smooth in terms of energy, whereas this one kind of has that big build up towards the end and it, it felt like something quite different towards the end of the record. I want to um, just quickly go back to Ophelia because <laughs> once again, I'm going to talk about lyrics. <laughs> um, so Ophelia is... A reference to Shakespeare's Hamlet. Basically, Ophelia is in love with Hamlet and then Hamlet rejects her. Ophelia loses her mind and ends up drowning herself. Um, there's more nuance to it than that. I've really <laughs> skimmed over like a lot. Um, but that's essentially the kind of context given to, to this track where she, she kind of opens by saying like, so tell me what did I do to deserve you killing me this way? Um, and then as the track kind of goes on again, it's it's like this idea of like, oh, you know, this person that she likes, you know, is perhaps like stringing her along and it's really, it's really killing her. And she then references uh, kind of, uh, I think it's something about her lungs filling with, with water or, or something. So it's again, like that kind of mirroring of the drowning. Um, and I really enjoyed that, that this song, aside from the title doesn't otherwise kind of explicitly reference um the play within like the track itself um but i was like oh it's really fun that it's this it, she's taken this kind of very dramatic play and this very kind of specific relationship and this character breakdown and she's gone let me apply this to someone not liking me as much as i like them and i was like that's that I just loved it because I was like, that's such a like I got I don't know. 
I'm 26. Maybe you continue to do this as you grow older. But I was like, that's especially something teenage me would have done. Would have been like, this is the end of the world. Now I know how Ophelia felt um, when like, <laughs> you know, Hamlet was losing his mind because he was like hallucinating all this kind of stuff. Um, that's how I feel because this guy's not texted me back. And I was like, oh, that's just, it's such a fun way to to take like a, a literary reference or another kind of textual reference and go, hey, you know, it doesn't always have to be like a really metaphorical interpretation of something. Actually, sometimes we can actually take it and go, here's how it applies to this quite, uh, I guess, like general situation, like a very common situation and a common feeling. Um, and I just, yeah. It was, I just found it really quite funny <laughs> and I, I liked that. Right, let's wrap up our review by ranking the album. As always, the current album rankings are down in the description for listeners. Where would we like to put Heaven Knows by Pink Panthress? I'm finding it a bit tough to decide on an exact place, but I'm thinking somewhere between Over Mono and Slow Dive. So that's between 21 and 23. I feel like I would go in a similar area, but leaning towards the the kind of I want to say upper, but I mean I guess I mean lower number, but higher ranking. I've confused myself there. Basically, <laughs> closer to the over mono end of things. I think I'd put it at twenty one. Um, it's probably no surprise that I'm I'm not going that high. Um, so yeah, I, I would probably <laughs> probably pull it like around. Probably thirty nine near Nation of Language, Strange Disciple. So yeah, it's up to you guys to decide where it is. I think I'm going to agree with Ellen. Put it in at number twenty one. Yes. <laughs> there we go. That's our final review of the year, which means this is our finalized list. <laughs> Any final thoughts? Any apologies we want to make? We, we've apologized to fireworks more, more than enough i think <laughs> yeah point. i was saying the ranking for this album like why is that still down there <laughs> it does just feel i just feel bad every time i see them <laughs> that low down i'm like you we did you so dirty and i'd just like to formally apologize for the billionth time i mean there's also like a lot of albums in here where i'm like i don't know what we were thinking with some of this order and then some of them i'm like yeah no we got that bang on i feel like the mm. i feel like pretty much the the top of the rankings i'm like i'm pretty pleased with how that ranks there may be like a couple i'd like swap between each other but like i think they all for me i still agree with that kind of like the upper end and then it descends into quite frankly chaos yeah i do feel like gorillas being kind of almost right in the middle actually are they they are pretty much right in the middle mm. it has c pretty consistently been a good kind of pivot point for me for like does does it should this album be in the top half or the bottom half um but yeah i feel like there are a few big ones that i feel like fireworks obviously um and a few of the other early albums but then in the bottom half you've got mandy indiana which obviously i loved but other people didn't really jive with as being my big one that I, I felt like should be higher. And then it's kind of things in the upper half, like Feist I didn't as enjoy as much as other people. Um, I would have had a lot lower. And then uh, this is going to be controversial, but 
Sampha I would still have in the top 10, but I wouldn't have it that high. I'd have it, you know, maybe 8, maybe 7. I don't I even know how to respond to that, Will, because that's, that's insane. That's an insane comment to make. <laughs> I don't think it's that insane. I mean, it look at the insane. other albums there. Squid. No, to be fair. Like it, it, Young I think Fathers. Well, it's like we Jesse have Ware, listened, Strange Ranger. We've listened to such good albums this year that even ones where if I like ranked them all again from how I feel now and like whatever was at the bottom, I would still say they are good albums it's just like there were oh there were just a lot of bangers like the standard was so high there's some albums on here like boy genius the record i think at the time i let me, let me rephrase that on re-listens i would have wanted to rate that a bit lower maybe but then as albums have been added it's been getting low so it's kind of fit into a nice spot <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think the the general takeaway is that music's good uh, yeah. <laughs> we like it 46 yeah. episodes of this show <laughs> this year and, and we can determine yes yeah music is indeed good it's it's insight like that that makes us the best podcast to listen to Number one on Spotify, I heard. That's what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna ju just gonna stop us here before we incite a riot on Spotify <laughs> HQ. <laughs> Don't want to get sued. <laughs> people, people are chanting, "Stop the count!" <laughs> Joe Rogan can't get more listeners. Right, let's get on to upcoming releases. Or once again, its new name, upcoming release. And although, actually, there's something to talk about this one. Car Seat Headrest are releasing a live album. It's called Faces from the Masquerade. Um, it's got a mixture of stuff from basically their more recent albums and, and various older stuff as well. I think this, I mean, it'll be, we'll see how it, it does commercially. I think this is a bit of a genius move for them because, like, this album is not going to end up on end of year lists, right? They don't care about that. So it's not like it was going to get, it doesn't need that second boost from kind of Pitchfork saying, oh, this is the 49th best album of the year. So people go and listen to it. And there's nothing else coming out. So why not drop your live album now when people who, you know, people who lack joy and hate Christmas music are probably looking desperately for something else to be listening to. And you've got no competition in terms of, like, your marketing space. You're the only thing coming out. Yeah, I think it... I'd like to come back to it and see how many streams this gets compared to, like, comparable live albums. But I think this is going to do surprisingly well for them. Kind of like how a podcast, if you lack joy, then listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's this or it's Nala the Cat saying, so, you know... <laughs> It's like the, there are two types of people in this world. <laughs> people who love Nala and people, people who deal with us. <laughs> One other thing about this is I'm hoping this means that we're going to get more car seat headrest material soon. They also did um, a cover of... I can't remember which one they did. There was a, a double A side. One of them was... 
the Beths covering a postal service song, and the other one was, I think, Car Seat Headrest covering a Death Cab for Cutie song, like to promote the postal service Death Cab joint tour, um, which was cool, but seems like a very marketing, we have an album about to come out, please come back to our Spotify page type thing to do. And and this live album seems like it's heading in that same direction. Because I feel like they lost so much steam after making a door less open. Like, they were the, like, the thing in the indie scene for a while, around Teens of Denial, the re-release of Twin Fantasy, and then that album, mixed with the pandemic, like, just seemed to, like, tank people's general opinions of them and, like, their standing and kind of the gravitas that them releasing anything kind of had around it. So I really hope that their next album kind of pulls them back, because I think they're an amazing live band and i think you know their their best songs are spectacular and have like an energy to them that nothing else does i'm like fine i just looked it up and yeah they covered um we looked like giants what did was it the beths who did the other one was yeah. it what song did they do they covered the postal services um brand new colony oh that's the one I am sad that that tour's not coming to the UK because I would love to see the Postal Service live. And Death Cab are, are great from the one time I've seen them. Like, they are phenomenal live. So I that really double bill would be live. amazing. Right? That's it for upcoming release and that's it for the show. Thank you for listening. And thank you for listening to any of the episodes, the other episodes that you have <laughs> over the course of, of this reviewing year. Thank you, James and Elle, for joining me. Thanks for having us. If you like the show, you can subscribe on your podcast service of choice and consider turning on notifications. New episodes come out every Monday. That's going to continue over the Christmas period, although our plans are going to be changing a bit. So there is not going to be a new album to review because as you will have been able to tell from upcoming releases from the past few weeks, there is nothing coming out at this point <laughs> unless we're going to review Nala the Cat. Um, I feel like we have so to instead <laughs> i guess we probably should well maybe it's going to come up because instead what we're going to do for the next three weeks is a little mini series as we like to do in the in the winter time and we're going to be looking at some of our favorite slash some interesting christmas songs so we're we're still kind of figuring out the format but basically we're each going to bring a christmas song each week we're going to discuss it we're going to talk about what we like what we don't like maybe we'll do most hated christmas songs at some point that'd be fun anti-christmas songs what would the opposite of christmas yeah. be yes easter well no good yeah. friday isn't it <laughs> yeah i mean i can bring the hymns that i used to sing on good friday but they're not really i wouldn't call them bops you know l <laughs> <laughs> rates her good friday <laughs> hymns <laughs> <laughs> on the pitchfork scale <laughs> well scrap what i said about christmas songs we're doing this for three episodes <laughs> but yeah that's what you got to look forward to hopefully that that's a suitable replacement for us talking about albums for a few weeks while we have a bit of time off and we wait for new albums to come out again i don't know how to end it without What's, what's coming next week? 
Someone say something that sounds final. The end. Oh, that's good. The classic. <laughs> <laughs>we should have like a montage of of like unmuted unmastered <laughs> moments from the year after that you know maybe with green day's good riddance time of your life playing underneath it <laughs> well it's just you talking about uh eating a sock <laughs> bring that back still not eating a sock i've survived that <laughs> he got away this time <laughs> next year <laughs> next year <laughs> next year we'll get you <laughs>